I'm Catherine Budig. And I'm Kate Fagan. And this is a humorous podcast filled with thoughtful conversations and often delicious takeaways. And this episode is number two of season three. And today's episode is... Is... About... Food. Food. Baby Jesus. Baby Jesus. Same, same. No. It's about food because... Cheese and rice. Translate. Cheese and rice. Jesus Christ. Baby Jesus. Baby Jesus. Sweet baby <laughs> Jesus. Uh, see? But that's so many food groups that you can do to replace all... Your swears. Of, well, no, don't. that's not a swear. Baby Jesus is a, a, a little baby Jesus. Yeah, but usually it's like, sweet baby Jesus. You know? And like, nobody's just going around being like, you know who I love? Sweet baby Jesus. That's not true. You've clearly never watched the What's That Will Ferrell movie with the... The, the 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 race the racing car racing, oh. Talladega Nights. Talladega Nights. Yes, there's that entire scene where he's like, "Oh sweet baby, oh sweet little six point seven ounce pound baby Jesus." He's not swearing. What he's is just, what is his point ultimately? In in they're like, "Yeah, baby Jesus." Yeah, it, it's just like it's a praise. Oh, it's praising. Yeah, okay. like you're right. So I guess outside of church, saying, where you're let's like, not assume Jesus, that you're saying, baby Jesus, I love you. If you're you. saying baby cheeses or you're saying cheese and rice, that that's a okay. swear replacement. Wow, I, we're we're <laughs> we are so far away from where I thought that we would be in episode two of season three of Free Cookies. It is a food episode because we are joined by Liz Moody, yes, who has a new cookbook coming out called Healthier Together, and she is the food editor at Mind Body Green and. Charleston Food and Wine is coming up. So and she is going to be here. We are both going to be at the retreat event. Get it? No, tell us more about that event. Retreat. Well, <laughs> <laughs> what are you emphasizing? Eat. Treat. Retreat. Eat. Eat. Because it's at the Wine and Food Festival. It's cute. Anyway, so Liz Moody is going to be emceeing. I am going to be moderating a panel. Well, actually, the panel will just be Seamus. So Mullen. you are in, so in I am conversation, in with. conversation with Seamus Mullen and uh, my one of my best friends, Ellie Richter, is going to be leading a meditation. So it's just, it's just this really nice pocket of wellness amongst a total weekend of debauchery. So it's going to be a nice little come up for air. And then I'm also going to be teaching Namaste Bubbly on Sunday, which again, a little bit of respite before we put some alcohol back in your body. Respite is a solid word. Thank you. Respite. 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 So we talked Baby to Liz Jesus. Moody, and this is a conversation that we actually did live at the offices of the Charleston, Charleston Wine and Food. Wine and Food. So it will sound a little different than a lot of our other interviews and conversations. And we talked to Liz a lot about the wellness world because Mind Body Green is a quote unquote wellness, wellness website site. So we get into self-care and ideas of like the commodification of wellness, a lot of other issues, I think, about how that world operates. And it may not always be in an effort to make, just solely make everyone healthier. Well, and the thing that I respect and admire so much about Liz Moody is her really take no prisoners, no bullshit kind of attitude. So many people that you find that write for wellness sites. Um, I am so goop. Did you guys listen to episode one? If I you didn't, so goop. She's. I just met. I am yoga. woke. I'm woke. Um, it, it's just that you know, there's a Wait, lot. Are you of, trying to introduce something here? Is like I am so goop. Is that that's not a thing? You're just starting that. Yes, I just made that up. So well, actually, I made when, it up on episode can, one. 
can you, when you're saying this, I'm so not goop. gop. I'm so not gop. I'm goop. Okay. When you're saying this, what I'm do you. I'm not a Republican. You, and if you are, that's fine. That's cool. You can be gop and goop. <laughs> but there's a lot of goppy okay. goopiers. <laughs> Love. <laughs> Catherine Budig Fagan. When. Yes, Kate Fagan Budig. <laughs> <laughs> when you say, quote unquote, I'm so goop. That means I'm woke. I am like, I'm wellness woke. Oh, so, so you're wellness woke. I'm wellness woke. So it's the equivalent of saying, I'm so wellness woke. I'm, I'm so goop. I'm so goop. Okay. I just want to make sure that whatever you're trying to start, There's people strong, actually understand what it is. a strong chance that I don't remember how I started this conversation. Ah, yes. So Liz, on the contrary, is just excellent at saying it like it is. I mean, you can drop any wellness thing that's been around for a long time or any fads, and she will just totally tell you. And the beauty about Liz is that she has worked for Mind Body Green for so long that she knows the research. She's been there. She's living it. She's in it at all moments. So I feel that her opinion is very trustworthy. So the thing that we talked to Liz a lot about that, about like how fads in the wellness world and also just the wellness world in general, and maybe the times when it's gotten too carried away and obviously eating healthy and doing healthy things for your body, like the underlying foundation of that check. We understand that. But part of it brings up this idea of how, even within the wellness world, what you're seeing now is like this pursuit of just like scaling this idea of like making as much money as possible and getting it to as many people as possible for the corporations, not the individuals. And you, and you can obviously, if you believe that certain things are good for people, then you want that information to get it in as many hands as possible. I wouldn't say that I think that this quote unquote wellness world is like an altruistic endeavor from is everyone there in such thing it. as an altruistic endeavor anywhere, though? But my goal here, but whether I'm doing it skillfully or not, is to pivot from just talking about the wellness world to the concept of scaling. Can we do that? Absolutely. Okay. Let's do it. So this idea of scaling is one I've been thinking a lot about lately. When I say scaling, I basically mean that in our society now, it feels as if if you have a good idea especially when it comes to business. It's not good enough just to have the good idea and want to like for it be local. Yeah. It's it's how do I make my business as big as possible as quick as possible? I'm like that's a buzzword in business, right? Like, well, is it scalable? How can I scale it? And I feel like this and that's what's being taught to our children too is that it's not enough to just have, you know, a kick-ass bakery on the corner of your local city. It's like, okay, well, now that you have a kick-ass bakery in your city, how are we going to get that in Nashville? And how are we going to get one in LA, the scaling? Yes. Right? And you are not successful until you reach that. Like, it's not enough to provide for the people in your community is what it often feels like these days. And you, I mean, you can see this play out even like in plenty of different pursuits. The magazine that we saw at Whole Foods, for example, today, the... The, yes, the so, Magnolia Journal. This and is this not, is not a slam on the Magnolia Journal. I've never even read it before, and I don't even know the people who do the show. But <laughs> but <laughs> it, it led us to this discussion of scale, having no idea of their underlying motivation to start a magazine. But it was Chip and Joanna Gaines, who are a famous couple who hosted who host a show on HGTV, and it became wildly popular. And they would renovate houses in Waco, Texas, and. Then spin off from that, they have Magnolia, which is partnered at Target, and it has Home Goods. And now they have a magazine called Magnolia, which we saw. You haven't made at- it till you've gotten into Target. I mean, that's what I always well, say. Anyway, whether <laughs> the the idea of scaling was simply like I don't know Chip and Joanna Gaines, right? Like they might have always hoped to be editors and chiefs of their own <laughs> home magazine. Yes. but I think that we do have a problem. But where, maybe <laughs> I think we do have a problem where it's like. 
I have to make my business and infiltrate it and make it as big as possible. Otherwise I'm a failure. Absolutely. And I think you can see that even if like on a personal level, when I was working for ESPN, it felt like every idea I had, it wasn't enough to just share it at a conversation. It was like, I, I, everything I did had to be done to a level where it was like maximizing everything it could possibly touch. Also, I think at ESPN, it was expected of you, the ultimate goal would be to have your own show. And if you didn't want to host Ooh, your own show, yeah. then what's the point of being at yeah, ESPN? Right. right. And we looked at our lives and what it would look like if you got your own show. And that was just not fitting in with anything that we wanted for our family. Yeah. Or my own personal And some sense, people couldn't wrap their brains around that. Right. My, because of our obsession with scaling. Or whatever you want to call it. I mean, right. but even like every time we have, con- when we have certain conversations about goals or business stuff, right? Like let's take, we, we mentioned in episode one that you just released this line with Kira Grace where it's like. Clothing it, collection. Yeah. yeah. And um, I remember saying to you at one point, I was like, well, how could we, maybe we can get it into this maybe store. Maybe we can grow it into, maybe we should partner with this. Like this should, we should figure out a way to have this in every store in America. And then I was like, why though? I mean, it's so how our brains are trained like, to what work. If I'm having- and meanwhile, I've partnered with this amazing independent American female owned company out of San Diego by a woman who I respect and admire and love. And are we like making big bank? No, no, we're not. But I also am so incredibly proud of the fact that my first fashion endeavor was something that people are enjoying and they're purchasing it and we're getting great feedback. And I'm really focusing on that is why I wanted to do this. I love fashion and I wanted to create clothes that I thought, especially I designed this for a curvier body type, bigger chested, shorter (laughs) torso and legged, basically for myself. Um, And and I just have to keep fixating on that because it is so easy to be like, oh, how could I get this into like Neiman Marcus? How could I get it into a bigger scale? And what does that even mean? Is that just showing people that I'm more important because my clothing line is at big places? Like I don't, that isn't actually feeding something inside of me is more as this kind of a external seasoning of ego. I like that seasoning of ego. Thanks. What, what season would you want on your ego? MSG, you think that would make it grow <laughs> the best? Is that a seasoning? Produ- yes. MSG is a seasoning? Oh, it's delicious. I thought, oh, yeah. I thought you would pick cumin, but you didn't. Cumin's so predictable. Oh, it is? Oh, it's Actually, that's so 2018 goop. <laughs> that, so I'm not That's goop. like turmeric. Get over it. So I couldn't say I'm so goop. Yeah, because you, you just. What if I said um, fennel seed? Ooh, fennel seed. Pollen. Pollen. If you said fennel pollen, I would be like, oh, the angels have blessed you. Oh. Yes, I would want to be seasoned with fennel pollen. Or an, an, an anise. I never know. Star anise. anise. Star anise. That's pretty hip, right? Yeah, but then we'd have to glue them on you. <laughs> we can't grind them first. You, you can, but they're very pretty. I like that now we've brought it back around to food. We're back. So we, we started with food and Liz Moody. Then we went to I scaling. I just bought a jar of star anise. So when we get home, I'm going to adorn Kate. Oh, you're going to season my ego with some star anise. <laughs> we should bring on Liz Moody. Let's do it. We are coming at you live from the Charleston Wine and Food Festival in Charleston, South Carolina. And I'm sitting next to Liz Moody, my wait, dear wait, wait, friend. Wait, cheering first. Like, let's just and get And the crowd like- goes wild. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool, cool, cool. See, I wasn't- 
wasn't effing with you. It really is live. Um, so we are here with Liz Moody. Liz Moody is a writer. I actually wrote all the things that you are. It's a long list. A writer, a recipe developer. She's the author of Glow Pops, was her first book, and the upcoming book, which is Healthier Together, which comes out in April? April 9th. April 9th, 2019, the year of now. And <laughs> she is also the host of the podcast, Healthier Together, yeah. and the food director at Mind Body Green. Plus, she's going to be joining me at the Wine and Food Festival here in Charleston in March. We're both going to be part of Retreat. Get it? Eat, retreat. You did a really good job yeah. like, separating it's that. Clever. No, not awkward at all. <laughs> but anyway, so I know listeners at home, you don't get the benefits of Liz being here because we are all eating uh, a recipe from her upcoming cookbook of her amazing cookies. So Liz, we naturally have to start with... What is your favorite cookie? And I know Kate's going to chime in with a statement, which well, is... the statement is simply that for those of you listening to the first season of Free Cookies, there is a standard cookie list. So when you ask someone what their favorite cookie is, I like lists, I like parameters. You, can't, you have to choose from the standard cookie list. That is not some random cookie made in some random New York City boutique that none of us can get. So it has to be Don't from a list salt. of sugar, oatmeal, raisin, chocolate chip... I think you get the, the, the idea. That wasn't a, a whole list. Do you want all 12 of them? <laughs> I can pull out my phone. But a standard yeah, cookie. A standard What's your cookie. favorite standard cookie? Um, it's funny. I hear you guys ask this all the time, and I was still ill-prepared for this question. <laughs> Honestly, I think, I think a really well-made chocolate chip, although I'm also tempted to do what a lot of your guests do, which is even after that caveat, they don't pick something off the list and go with cookie dough. Um, mm. because it would still fall in the standard category, but I think if you dial back any cookie on the list and you eat it before it is baked, it tastes better. But what dough would you eat? I think I would eat chocolate chip cookie dough, but I would probably pick around the chocolate a little bit because I'm a weird kid. So does yeah. that mean you like undercooked <laughs> cookies? So you don't like crispy cookies? I do not like crispy. I'll eat like a Tate's if I'm, you know, stuck Ugh. on a road trip. You mean like the entire bag, right? Yeah, like, no, I'll eat the and entire bag. Yeah, no, no. I mean, okay. uh, whatever my husband doesn't sure. get to first. I'll eat a Tate's, but I prefer, I like crispy edges, and then I like a chewy center. Okay. But I prefer dough. <laughs> it's I'm acceptable. It's acceptable. <laughs> so the amazing cookies, what are the name of the cookies that we're eating right I now that you are not the, eating at home? the best healthy chocolate chip cookie because I was feeling real creative ever. for this. No, I don't. I think ever was in the galley that you guys saw, but I think that my editor did not think it was ever. Oh, <laughs> so snap. ever got deleted from the recipe. All right, the it's book. kind of so a tangent, but what was the editorial online. process of that? Um, she was like, ever feels too vast. We can't say that with any conviction. I think I had another ever in the book. And so I think uh, she was trying to save me from my own ego. Okay. Fair. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, so it's called Healthier Together. Same yes. name as your podcast. So what, what does that mean? What does it mean to be healthier together? So healthier together, it means a lot of things. But in the context of the book, it means healthy eating for friends, coworkers, couples, and family members. So in the book, you have pictures of me and my mom, me and my dad. It was really cute to see them on set for the photo shoot. Um, my mom complained a lot about what they made her wear. Um, <laughs> Zach, who is my husband, and friends. I just think that community for me is a huge thing that's missing in all of our wellness journeys. We talk so much about like specifically what we should be eating and what we shouldn't be eating. And is this type of flour better than this type of flour? And I think these are all worth investigating all of these questions. But fundamentally, I think the thing that makes us healthiest is the thing that makes us happiest, which is being with other people. So I like to use food in the way I think food 
was originally intended other than to like keep us alive, um, which was to, to bring us together. I say in the book that food is the one thing that every person in the world has in common. And I really believe that. So I intend this book to be something that you buy one, you do it with your friend, you do it with your mom. You don't have to be in the same place. All the recipes are for two people. But I had a friend who recipe tested with her mom, and she was in San Francisco, and her mom was in New York. And they would make the same recipes, and they would like FaceTime while they did it. And it was really cute to see them connecting over it and getting to talk about it and share that experience. So I completely agree with you, but do you have... Or do you and does the book have an underlying food philosophy? Because what you said, yes. since I come from the wellness world as well, it's you know the constant battle of who's right and what should humans be eating and not eating. And people really like their soapboxes. And, yes. and whenever you're making a cookbook or writing recipes, obviously people are going to come with very deep opinions. So I guess, A, multifaceted question, are you prepared for how people are going to respond? Did you think about that yes. when you were making your recipes? And then back to the original question, what is your food philosophy? So I thought about this a lot when I was making this book. I, I think my editor was like, you are overthinking this. Mm -hmm. um, and I was just like, no, like, what does healthy mean to me? I'd been a health food editor for years at that point. And I had, I almost feel like I had so much information that, and so much of it cancels itself. Like you can get two of the world's best doctors in a room and one of them will say one diet, like the vegan diet is the best thing for your heart health. And then the other person will say keto, which is possible to do in a vegan way, but it's really, really hard. Um, so I thought a lot about it. So I, there's a few food rules that govern this book. I think fundamentally, my number one food philosophy is that wellness is a tool. It's not an end unto itself. So if you're limiting your life food-wise in a way that you no longer are happy or enjoying your life, that's not wellness to me at all. So I think that's my number one underlying food rule is that like you should enjoy your food. All of the food is created. I'm kind of like a trashy eater, um, for lack of a better word. And so there's, it's, it's like crave worthy. What is trashy? Yeah. What does that mean? I, I don't just like, skate over you that. like fancy food. Like I like, like stuff you would find in a Costco freezer section. And then I'm like trying to make that <laughs> like healthy. mini hot dogs. And yeah. Stuff like like that. Hot like, pockets. Like, Oh my God, a hot pocket. Yeah. Or like my sister and I were reminiscing the other day about cookies and cream Oreos or, uh, cookies and cream oatmeal in the packets. Or what? Like, what? Whoa. Yeah. What? Like instant oatmeal. Do you guys remember? Oh. That, the cookies the and Quaker cream. And yeah, it had a flavor oh. that was cookies like and cookies cream. and cream, and it, I think there is no real ingredients in it. Like I think it was just chemicals, but I loved it, and that's what I was raised on. So those are like the foods that are nostalgic <laughs> yeah. to me. So a lot of the book is like I have a salted caramel crack popcorn that tastes like Cracker Jacks um, that oh, my nice. dad eats like way too much of, um, and yeah, just like a lot of really yummy, delicious things. I think if you feel like you're depriving yourself, that's not healthy, period. Um, and then on top of that, I think vegetables is the one food we sort of all universally agree are good. I have yet to meet a doctor who is anti-vegetable, so a lot of the recipes are cramming in as many vegetables as possible. And then on top of that, the last layer is really for me about using sort of what we know in science at this moment to make our food healthier. So for me, a lot of that is about keeping your blood sugar really, really stable, keeping your hormones really, really balanced. There was an interesting article on the site that I write for this week, or I think it was today actually, about how- What site is that? Mind Body Green. Thank you. 
Um, and it's about how belly fat comes more from elevated cortisol levels than sheer caloric intake. So I think that figuring out those parts of the, and cortisol comes when you're stressed. It comes when you're having this blood sugar spike and fall, this sort of insulin roller coaster. So that's why we're avoiding stuff like um, processed grains and things like that. So everything has a lot of protein, a lot of healthy fat, and a lot of vegetables. Awesome. So when it comes to the wellness world, as someone who's kind of parachuted into it a couple of years ago when I, when I met Catherine, um, it's progressed a lot in the last two to three years in terms of how mainstream it has gone. And I think even when you were, the listener won't know this, but everyone here will, when you were making the cookies, like you mentioned certain things about like walnuts were, are, you know, the best to, you know, stay slim or whatever, the certain like pieces of info. And I kind of always react in a way, not specifically to that, but like I always react in a way of, well, how much of that information as humans now in 2019 will we just take and become obsessed with and become too analytical about our food and become too analytical about everything in the wellness world? And it's not a question yet, but one thing Catherine and I always talk about is when we go into a, a class we're taking, and Catherine as a teacher has, has mentioned this to me, and the teacher will say something like, I know you're doing this so you can eat an extra piece of pie. I freaking hate that so you much. Know. I'm like, don't tell me why I'm doing right. this. And it's like, <laughs> you know, part of the wellness world has in some ways gotten out of control because it's like, instead of focusing on like what your body can do, it's like this like metric driven analytic, like, like punishment. deficit punishment. Yeah. So where, where are you at when it comes to where the wellness world is and what you see it's doing well and, and where it, the shortcomings are? Oh, there's a lot of shortcomings. So I think the important thing to remember in the wellness world is that a lot of the information you're getting is driven by one of two things. It's either driven to get you to click on articles and mm -hmm. read content, whether that's from an influencer who's trying to get you to like their posts, whether that's from a media site, um, anything like that, or it's to sell products. So it's to make you believe that you are lacking something, whether that be a new trend or something that you need in your body to feel good so that somebody can make money off of you. So I think fundamentally, the most important thing in wellness is to actually figure out what feels good to your body, which is gonna be different for everybody, which is why none of, all of the advice sort of applies because none of it universally does. So I think when you eat something, to really be cognizant of what you feel like when you eat it, and also, again, if you're enjoying yourself, if, if it tastes good, I think there's a lot of levels on which you can engage with your food. And I think when you're eating it with other people, when it tastes good, and then also like, are you bloated afterwards? Be aware yeah. of that. There's like, I have a friend who can't eat chickpeas. They're really healthy, but she really feels sad. terrible after she eats them. And you know, a lot of people would say, well, chickpeas are healthy. You should eat that, but she can't eat them. And so I think being really aware of how you feel after you eat your food. Well, but on some level, the wellness world is supposed to give me a shortcut. Like, that's what I think of it as, right? Like, so instead of me having to do all... Is that all, diet culture or is that wellness? Well, I, I mean, like, instead of me having to, like, learn and know my body and, like, really pay attention to it, I want to just know, right? I want, I want to see the thing and say, chickpeas cause bloat. And I'm like, oh, cool, I'll just avoid those rather than actually have to go through all of the process. 
Do I you, have like sad news for you. <laughs> there is no shortcut. There are no shortcuts. Right. Yeah, there really aren't. I think that that's that people really. I think the one thing I would recommend that everybody do, which is probably the quickest shortcut, is to do if you really want to know what works in your body, do an elimination diet. It sucks. Um, but it's the best way to actually That's see. That's like the opposite of shortcut. That is like. <laughs> it's like yeah. a 30 days. You just days. introduced the hardest possible it's thing It's 30 to days. Do. It's 30 days of your life, you know, which yeah. should be longer than 30 days. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that it's, that's the, the quickest versus, you know, spending seven years being like, I wonder if chickpeas make me feel yeah, bad, yeah. but sometimes I eat them with cheese and sometimes right. I eat them without cheese. So I don't know. That is um, actually, you have just said most of our drives in the car the morning after we go out to dinner, like. You're like what debating was what it? we ate. Kate gets so sick about hearing about my digestion. Every She's just like your digestion like, always sucks. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but honestly, Every I think that the thing that's causing more harm to our digestion than anything we are eating is stress. I think that the yes. amount of the the amount that we're eating on the go, the amount that we're eating at our desks, the amount that we are freaking out about what we're eating and when we're eating, the amount that we're just shoving stuff in our mouth and and not chewing it a lot. We're supposed to chew our food. It's like a 120 chews yeah. per swallow. And, and if, have you ever tried to do it? Yes. It's actually. Wait, who, who came up with that number? No, there actually is some There's science like, behind how yeah. many chews you're supposed to take because before you your swallow your Because your digestion starts in your mouth. So you're not only masticating to break up the pieces. Producing which is, the saliva. But you're, produce, you're mixing your saliva in and you're turning on, if you chew food, you create more digestive enzymes in your stomach that'll actually help you digest your food. But if you're just like, ah, 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 ah. Have you ever noticed, it, okay, so when I have days where I have to teach all day long and I'm talking, 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 for six plus hours and I have not eaten anything because I'm in front of students I will get so bloated and so gassy and I swear it's, like it's because gum. yes it's because I'm producing so much saliva because I'm talking so much so my body thinks that I'm actually trying to digest food but nothing's going so there's no science behind this this is her personal no philosophy. but I would believe <laughs> that this is the beautic philosophy yeah no I would We've believe that for sure that as well. that's same as like a lot of people when they <laughs> chew gum they get very bloated because you're sort of like swallowing Lying air to your body almost, and you're right? also yeah. like yeah, you're producing digestive enzymes that you're not following up. You're lying to your body. Ooh, it's lying. cruel. Yeah. <laughs> 120 chews. So you don't, don't, well, if you don't, really don't quote me, but oh. it is something along I like that count. high number. It ends up yeah. like okay. everybody go home tonight and try to chew your food. It's like Dinner I can, will take two hours. I feel like I can get <laughs> to like 20 before I'm just like, this is no longer food. So I'm going to swallow per it. Chicken. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay. So being the food editor over at My Body Green and like you, what you're saying, clickbait and... You're, I'm assuming, always trying to come up with what is the new catchy story, what's going to drive people to our site, and what, and you mentioned community earlier, like, what is the wellness community right now? Because, I mean, it, you know, you're a part of the site where we're trying to build, build community, community. so it, what does that feel like? It, where are we I at? mean, I think it works to an extent. Like, I think that I like... And again, I want to caveat too. I got to be good to to my buddy Green and say that we do try to keep clickbait at a minimum as much as possible. It's a fantastic website. Um, it is a fantastic yeah. website. It's a really good source of science-backed wellness. Um, that's fun to read. Um, and um, but really, but I think that the best way that we can use the world that we're in to build community, which we we're in a world that in a lot of ways can fragment community. We have you know, people talk about social media and how we're always on our phones and on our devices and stuff like that. So I think for me, I've found the best way I can build community is when I use those things to either create or reinforce real life relationships. So I think you're actually like a great example of that for me where I 
got to know you through my job a little bit, but then I'll see you on like Insta stories and I'll talk to you on that. And I think if you meet somebody in real life and then you follow them on Instagram and then you can build that relationship where you're talking back and forth and then see them again in real life. I just think being really aware of trying to fit in those real life interactions, because I think that's where I think no, I'm going to go out there and say, I don't think any online community is going to be as powerful as what we get when we're in in person with people. But I do think that it's a great, the internet's a great way to find your tribe and wellness. It can be hard to find where those people are, but then I would encourage people as much as possible to like try to take it offline. Do you think it's that lack of community that now that we're all on our phones and we definitely are spending less time, many of us at least, less time, face-to-face time with people versus chatting online or sending DMs or what have you. Do you think it's that space away from true human connection, especially in the wellness world, that's creating the divisiveness where people get fired up quickly if there's conflicting information oh, yeah. or opinions or, or beliefs. Or just outrage culture in general. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I just, like, you, as as both of you are fairly public figures, and I'm sure you've had stuff said to you online that nobody would ever have the guts to say to your face, but I think... I hope not. Because <laughs> it's terrible. It turn out people well. don't yeah. think of it as real people. And I think that the more that we can understand how anybody who, if they eat a different diet than us or has a different viewpoint than us, is a real person and this is their mom and this is the TV shows that they like and, like, what they're doing on a Wednesday afternoon and this is how they, you know, fart or, like, you know, like, mm. real things <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that they're real people. I, I think that's so important. And I think there's a lot of... I don't think it's just the internet. I think there's a lot of factors that work together to conspire against community in today's day and age. People live away from the place that they were raised way more than they would have 50 years ago. Um, there's not, you, people switch jobs, so you're not building an office environment where you're working mm. for years and years and years. More and more people are working from home or doing sort of creative careers. Uh, so I think there's, a, and the pinnacle, it's only since, it's post-World War II that the pinnacle of success in society was to move out of your parents' house and buy your own house, which is, again, fragmenting you more from the community that you're supposed to be building with people. So mm-hmm. I think it, all of this is very, very new and fresh and I think that we have thousands of years of ourselves in communities and supported by that and we're learning our wellness knowledge from our grandmother who learned it from her grandmother who learned it from her grandmother and now because we don't have that we're learning it from the internet and so I think that it's it's hard, it's much harder to trust it and it also gives us so much more decision fatigues because instead of one grandmother saying eat this soup we have 14 sites being like this soup is great this soup is great this soup is and great and then the next yeah. day conflicting that information yeah. like, actually that's going to kill you yeah, yeah we did yeah. we did an episode last year with Esther Perel and she had this she had this great oh, so she's that's like a my sex therapist and, episode of your guys and she's she's amazing if you don't know her and she was like three dis- like three options is awesome as a human and 30 yeah she calls her friend yeah, when she wants she to know what like restaurant and to that's go like to. such a part of community that like she she's like instead of spending an hour on like rotten tomatoes like while you're in front of Netflix and we will like, not watch movies I want to watch if Kate is not pleased with the percentage of rotten tomato ready no, no joke I'll be like but I've been dying to see this oh babe it got a 42 percent I'm like which but you know I that it's mostly it's like 80 percent white male reviewers so mm. their um mm. their perspective on life might not correlate with yours I know how I feel about white men <laughs> Um, I didn't know that. Anyway, the <laughs> right, man, that's, sugar. Point. that's why rom-coms always do so bad. Yeah. 
I love rom-coms. That's I why know. we never watched them because they're always so poorly reviewed. I would give rom-coms much higher percentages. That's why percentage. thrillers are so high. On uh, the, oh, and yeah. Anyway. So <laughs> the point being the, simply that the, just the 30, the, the 30 options being like debilitating yeah. for, for and people. And I think that's yeah. community, it, it gets rid of a lot of those options because you have people you trust. And I think yeah. the reason that we're looking for 8 million things is because we don't really trust wholeheartedly any of them. Yeah. Um, all right, so one... One other buzzword in like the wellness world that I, we wanted to toss out to you to get your because you're so enmeshed in that world is enmeshed. Good, mm, good word. Thank you. <laughs> we, we praise each other for word choices as well. Um, is just the fr- just self care mm. because I've become very confused as you're reading anything where like what is what am I supposed to be doing for self care? What is self care? Yeah, I mean, well, I would ask you guys, I'd throw that back at you guys first. What do you think self-care is? Because I think one of the biggest problems with self-care is that we don't have a working definition of it. Self-care is a bathtub filled with salt (laughs) from the Himalayas, um, locally sourced rose petals that don't have any dye in them, and at least a five-pound chunk of rose quartz. Ooh. (laughs) Can you fit with? What's your real definition? (laughs) What? (laughs) That was real, Kate. Wait, like... Uh, oh God! Yeah, you just well, really she actually does her. sarcasm <laughs> aside. I, I mean, self care for me is getting eight hours of sleep and taking time to squeeze in a ten minute meditation and drinking enough water that I'm hydrated. And I, I mean, just self care. Sure, I guess a face mask. I don't really feel like better about myself after I've done a face mask, though. I mean, there's really the simple things that just, we talk about this all the time. Like, I don't know, even sometimes taking vitamins, I'm like, I don't feel any different. You know what's confusing is because my, like, drink, she said drinking enough water. My idea of self-care is drinking 80 ounces of water a day. But I, I need to, to know dot. that it's 80. And then it turns into this thing <laughs> that I have to stop doing. And Catherine will be like, it's not self-care if you're counting. You won't say it exactly like that. But then I start to think that if I want to do my bike workout every day and count my water, that that's a problem because I am indulging in well, the, the parts of my side. Yeah, you're I'm indulging the in the obsession of it. And then I'm like, well, then I got to find new self-care that's like, <laughs> maybe I should not drink water because I'm not, ca- you know, like yeah, that's no what water. gets confusing <laughs> about it is that if an awesome workout for me where my heart rate is up is like re- feels really good to me and then I'm like well mm-hmm. you're only supposed to do three heart workouts a week it starts to get really confusing about what you're supposed to do for self care which goes to show the line between health and obsession is this really fuzzy line that we walk yeah. right so, and you've yeah. worked with that a lot I feel like in your work which so much. is really yeah. interesting yeah. okay so I think the interesting thing about self care is that it was first popularized when it was first popularized it was by academics who were looking for a way to help people in extremely high-stress jobs combat how they felt so they wouldn't essentially get burnt out. So it was people who are like EMTs or um, psychologists dealing with extreme trauma or shift workers or people who really had intense jobs. And I think that over the years, we've all sort of shifted into having these very intense jobs even when we are having a desk job because of the always-on culture. So instead of being burnt out because you've spent eight hours in an emergency room with your adrenaline like racing... We are burnt out because we are on essentially all of our waking hours. Your adrenaline races whenever you get an email and you feel like you have to answer it and you don't ever get a real break. So it went from being this thing that a very small segment of the population needed to combat their very highly intense work to being something that I think we all feel like we need because all of our work is intense and mentally taxing in this way. Um, I think that there's a lot of problems with that 
I think that what I would like to see happen with self-care is for people to focus less, like if you viewed it as like, let's say getting sick and antibiotics. If you had to take antibiotics every single day, it'd be because you were sick all the time and that wouldn't be good for you or good for your body. So I would like to get to a point where if self-care was the antibiotics, we were taking them very infrequently when we were actually sick and we needed it. And I would like to shift the rest of our day so that we're not sick all the time and we don't need it all the time. So for me, it's less of taking a bath and it's more being like, I'm not going to be available to check my email after 6 p.m. and setting boundaries at work and trying to figure out a way to enjoy and keep my cortisol levels low throughout my entire life. So I'm not riding that that high and low where you get sick and then need the antibiotic and then you get sick and then you need the antibiotic again. So it's like self-care is almost a Band-Aid when we really need yeah. to get to the root of the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's why it's so popular right now. I also think, again, that it's one of those things that's sort of been commodified. And I think it's a shame because we've turned it into another task. So we're, we're in a society where we are overridden by tasks. You have all of your tasks at work and then at home and keeping your, you're always on literally all the time and all of the facets of your life. And then the fact that you have to be on for your self-care, you have to get this face mask and get in your bath with your huge rose quartz and Five post a picture minimum. of it. It's, it's so I lie like a sea otter with it on my chest. <laughs> it actually she sounds does. really like a weighted blanket. Like a, yeah. Oh my God, the gravity blanket. Don't get me started. Okay. All right. So we're going to move into, you know, they normally do lightning rounds at the end of the podcast, which we actually do not do in our podcast, but oh. I kind of came up with something like oh that Oh my for gosh. You. I love lightning rounds. All right. I encourage lists. This is going to be called wellness curiosities. Oh. And you don't have to give me a yes or no. I want you to basically be like BS or not BS and why. Okay. Okay. So these are wellness trends that I think are kind of current. And I want the Liz Moody take. Okay. Are you ready for the hot take? I'm ready. Hot take. Hot take. It's a hot take. Well, not as she's put a lot of thought behind it. Okay, it's not a hot take. It's, I it's haven't immediate, gotten these it's a ahead of time, so. Lukewarm take. But so. most of these you'll have thought about. Even You don't know what I'm thinking. Oh, girl. Snap. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if you haven't thought about the first one, then you shouldn't be working at the website right. that you work <laughs> at. Round one. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Celery juice. I think it's bullshit. Have you thought about that? Yeah, I've yeah, thought about so. it. Um, I think, okay, so I think if you're having a positive experience with celery juice, it's because you are hydrating yourself a little bit better. It's because you're raising your sodium levels slightly, and that will make you feel more energized just by your blood pressure rising slightly, and uh, because you are subject to the placebo effect, which is a very real thing, and um, shouldn't be underestimated. <laughs> What a positive way to say it's bullshit. (laughs) That was really epic. Yeah, that was very political of you. Okay. Colonics. I don't think they're good. I think that you're disrupting your... Catherine did one last week. I did three in a row. (laughs) Three in a row. I've never done that before. It was... How's your... I don't know. Anal passageway. (laughs) (laughs) I was really... I mean, we probably shouldn't go into details. (laughs) I just think anything that's... I think, again, it's a personal choice and you can do what you want, but I think that you're... We don't... We are... We just discovered, essentially, our microbiome like several years ago, and it is incredibly important part of your body and we know so little about it we are more bacteria than we are us in our bodies and we are we just learned about like literally just learned about it so the fact that that is such new information makes me Mm. feel like we're just in the very baby steps and it's like 
if I was in the baby steps of anything, I wouldn't be like, I'm going to go blast you with like a super gun, you know? Yep. Which is why they're sending me to Mars and not you. Yep. <laughs> Activated charcoal. I, I think that's bullshit. I think it's, it's hard. It makes, I know it's really a bummer. So Zach and I went to a restaurant this morning and the people next to us got an activated charcoal latte, latte. and it was lavender. so pretty. And uh, Zach was like, you should get that and Instagram it. And I was like, I can't cause I've come out against activated charcoal publicly. <laughs> so the thing about activated charcoal is it's used in hospitals when you are poisoned um, so it pulls everything out of your system, both bad and good. So when people are putting it in lattes or like eating it with um, like green juice and stuff, you're literally just getting rid of all the vitamins. What about brushing your nutrients. teeth with it? Oh, that's cool. It'll right, make your cool. teeth really white. That, I, I enjoy brushing yeah. my teeth with it. And, and then I enjoy going. If you use an she electric toothbrush, it'll do like a fun polka dot effect to your whole bathroom. Oh my God, that sounds <laughs> terrifying. Okay, uh, collagen. I, I actually like collagen. I prefer it in its whole food form, which is bone broth. Like a bone broth, yeah. Um, because I think, again, we we just know so little about all this stuff. So the more you can keep everything as intact as possible so it's working in the way that it is meant to, that's better. But I do collagen as a protein powder, mostly because I feel mm. like protein powders often have so much other crap in what them. What about a marine versus a beef they're versus a the chicken? They're all the same. So they're all the same? Okay. They all have the exact same effect in your body. So just do what makes you feel comfortable. Okay. And then final, rose quartz face rollers. So I think that the face rollers are... A nice, if they make you feel good, they're nice. I think if people want... I love that that's her response. I mean, you do you. <laughs> if it makes you feel good, it's nice. If you want a real effect, I think that gua sha is a lot more effective. It literally... Uh, gua sha is... Um, it's from traditional Chinese medicine, and it looks like a credit card kind of, but it's made of rose quartz or jade or, I mean... Was oh, it could, like the little leaf kind of almost? Yeah, it, they come in different shapes, and what you do is you, you use it to break up your fascia and your face. Um, and your fascia, it's like a little net that goes over your entire body when you foam roll and like it feels really amazing. That's you rolling out your fascia and it feels super good and it gives you more mobility. And if you do that with a gua sha, it does it in your face. So if you have any jaw pain, it helps with that. And it also, I think, helps kind of like lift everything and make your muscles in your face feel better. So I think that's more effective. The jade rolling, is, I mean, it's nice, but you're just kind of like... Rose quartz. Rose quartz. Sorry, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I do think the energies are Please completely stick to the different totally between different. jade and rose quartz. So <laughs> um, so I would I would go for gua sha, mostly because if you try it once, you would just be like, oh, okay. it's amazing. So, all right. All right. We are out of time, Liz Moody. Thank you so much. And thank, thank you, guys. guys. And don't forget to check out her book, here. April 2019. But it's available for pre-order now. Okay, Healthier Together, available for, for pre-order pre now. now on Amazon. And I think it's cheaper if you buy it now. So Way do that. cheaper. Go get yeah. it. And yes. remember, you do you. And yes, everybody, check you. out the Charleston Food and Wine cheers. Festival. Yeah, All of our listeners, <laughs> wicked. Thanks. That was Liz Moody. She was amazing, wasn't she? Yeah. It's always fun to deconstruct. That's one of my favorite words. You the, are a deconstructor. The wellness world. and Which is what we're going to do now is yeah. deconstruct. As You may or may not know this about Kate by now, that she has a... Rides a Peloton. <laughs> drinks oat milk. <laughs> doesn't work at ESPN. Uh, ding, ding, ding. Uh, God damn it. <laughs> what was I going to say about you? You, that I love, that I'm obsessed with Oh, that you're with obsessive. Things. You yeah. are. You're obs obsessed with things. And Kate's current obsession is coconut rice. Yes, yes, yes. I just, 
I become temporarily obsessed with things. So, <laughs> well, obviously right now, like oat milk has been a long time and I will tell anyone who will listen about oat milk. But and anytime I ask her what she wants for dinner, she says quinoa bowl. Until, until a couple weeks ago, we went over to a friend's house for dinner and he made coconut rice. Yes. And I know that people in the food world understand that this is a thing, that you can cook your rice with full fat coconut milk and it's oh, yeah. fucking amazing. But I think that there's a lot of people out there who d don't know about, they don't know they can cook their <laughs> rice with coconut milk. And my <laughs> wife is here to tell you. Meanwhile, Mike, yeah, you know the book I published in 2016? <laughs> yeah, that one. I have coconut rice in it. <laughs> I know you have coconut rice in it. You've mentioned the idea of this coconut rice, quote unquote, but I'd never tasted coconut rice before it is pretty orgasmic so, i mean i even in the intro to my coconut rice recipe which you can find on page 187 of my book aim true i even talk about i remember the first time a girlfriend made me coconut rice what girlfriend you had a girlfriend this was a girlfriend that i was not dating oh. i nearly died and went straight to heaven right there at the dinner table so i had the same reaction that you praise had praise baby jesus praise baby jesus um so Here's the thing with coconut rice, but this is my tip. So you can get that recipe again. It's on page 187, and I'm going to throw it up on my blog. So you can check it out at katherinebutig.com forward slash blog. You guys, you can cook rice in coconut. No, 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 no. But uh, th there's a next level for this Kate. This is amazing. Is that my recipe calls for jasmine rice, but what we pretty much only make now is Carolina gold rice. And this is not sponsored, but... You need to get your Carolina gold rice from Anson Mills. You just need to. You just need to. You need to get your grains from Anson Mills because it is hands down the best organic, delicious heirloom perfection comes in a sexy little brown bag. <laughs> brown bags are sexy. Anyway, but <laughs> oh so you want to keep your this rice. When you buy this rice, if you're not eating it, you keep it in the freezer. That's where it's going to preserve itself. But get the Carolina gold. It's also called Charleston ice cream is its nickname because the consistency is just like creamy crack when you cook it in coconut milk <laughs> but even if you don't cook it in coconut milk the consistency is still why would you not cook it in coconut it, milk? it's true so here's the thing my friends if you're cooking this so you do your proportions if it's one cup of rice you want two cups of liquid coconut milk if you do the full fat milk you're going to get like that creamier almost like a gritty kind of porridgey consistency which is really fantastic or if you do light coconut milk, you're going to get more of like a fluffy consistency. You can cut it with water with the rest of your liquid. Or if you have a stock or a broth, that's going to add some more flavor. But the key is you get it going. Everything's boiling. You throw in your rice. You bring it back to a boil. And then actually just lower it. Leave it uncovered until it starts to get nice and fluffy. And then when it's like a little past al dente, then you spread it on a baking sheet. Put it in the oven. I think at about 300. Yep. If you are into the ghee game, you put little bats, little pats of ghee all over it or butter. Or if you don't do butter, you can do vegan butter. Or if you're just like not happy with more fat, skip it. And then you throw that in the oven, season it with some salt and pepper. And then voila, 10 minutes later, you have the fluffiest and most fantastic, as you can tell, Kate's new obsession, rice, which we have eaten three nights in a row now. <laughs> yeah. So you people, you guys, you need to try this and you can report back on our Instagram free cookies podcast. Yes. Or you can email us and tell us about your coconut rice experience. You'll remember where you were the first time you had it. And don't forget, you can also get at unsweetened coconut flakes, toast them, 
Watch them. The second you walk away, they will burn. You need to watch them. They are just waiting to run away to burn land, okay? But once you have them nice and toasted, if you add that into your rice, it adds a really delicious texture. All right. You can support this show through um, patreon.com slash free cookies so you can keep it ad-free. And you can also support us through leaving a fantastic rating or writing really nice things about the podcast at Apple Podcasts under free cookies. And tell your friends, tell, turn it on for your dogs and your cats when you're not home so they can be entertained. This if you podcast is produced by Lindsay Collins. We can talk about furbos next time. Yes, fine. You can follow her show at FMB Radio, also based out of Ezra Producers Podcast, South Carolina. And we are going home, and what are we making? We are making coconut-style Carolina gold rice from Anthem Mills. I'm making butter beans. Made with coconut milk. It's the best. It's the best. It's the best. If you're still listening, I apologize for my wife. This is what I live with. Peace.